pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Little flip to Fitzgerald, he scores! We ain't got to do nothing special now. We just got to do our job. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance and if they don't dance, well, they're... Hello and welcome to another edition of the Safety Dance NFL podcast. I'm joined as always by the Carlo Cardinal, own Luke O'Callag, and the original Teen Titan, because Blanchard's Town doesn't go with Titans, Paul Hasford. How, how are you doing, gents? Not too bad yourself. Good, thank you. Yeah, um, as people might have noticed, it's been a while since we, we've had a podcast. Uh, various reasons, all of them other people's fault, not mine, um, I think is fair to say. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're back now, and we'll be back from between now and the rest of the season. And uh, we thought that today we'd just do a brief recap of yet another injury that has robbed us of one of the most exciting players in the league this season, that being Deshaun Watson. Um, it was bad enough losing Aaron Rodgers. It was bad enough losing Andrew Luck. But to lose uh, a surefire Rookie of the Year winner in Deshaun Watson, it just seems like this is the cursed season of the NFL. Uh, I'd like to just put it out there that I had nothing to do with this one. I did not pick Deshaun Watson on my fantasy team, so uh, I, I have a clear conscience on this one. For I once. I suppose you, you mentioned that the injuries there, they're, I suppose they're only bad if you're not an AFC South fan. I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're a Jags or Titans fan, look, you don't want to see anyone else get injured, but, you know, two franchise quarterbacks on the shelf, you're never going to have a better chance to maybe upset the power balance because the Titans and the Jags have been the two worst teams in that division for the last 10 years. So if you're looking at it now, if you're the Jags particularly, you know, the, the swing that they're on, you're probably saying to yourself, we will not have a better run at, at the AFC Championship. If you're the type of person who tweeted that you'd get a tattoo of Blake Bortles on your face if the Jags won the Super Bowl, this is not the kind of injury news you probably <laughs> wanted to hear. Um, in my defence, I didn't say it would be a permanent tattoo, so uh, I've always got that going for me. Actually, I, I, speaking of injuries, I, I did read something the other day that actually 2017 has had a lower rate of injuries um, than normal. What's different is the fact it's such high-profile players I mean, you're talking about the best quarterback in the league, the best receiver in the league in Odell Beckham Jr., the best defensive player in the league in J.J. Watt. And, and for the, the Texans alone, I mean, they've lost three star players, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. I mean, that's brutal to lose yeah. that kind of talent. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose that it's funny enough that you mentioned that, that the rate of injuries is down, and it is. So it must be fairly galling to be... You know, a, a special teamer who spent last year on on injured reserve, and people are talking about, oh, you know, injuries are injuries are worse this year, and you're going to go on. Nobody cared when I, I got put on the, when I got put out again. Nobody but it cares is, about special teams, Paul. Kickers aren't people. <laughs> uh, just before we go any further, 2017 Dublin Rhinos special teams MVP Paul Hosford is how I how I would be addressed from. Are you not the only person that plays like all forms of special teams for the Rhinos? Look, I don't want to get into that. Um, yeah, but I think it's it's just one of those things. It's it's when it's magnified, um, and it's like when refereeing decisions go against big teams mm. or they happen in big games that they're magnified, and we feel like these these things happen more and more and more when in fact they don't. Uh, yeah. the, you know, the rate of injuries, like we said, is down. American football generally is is safer. The rate of concussions is down, which is a, a 
is a great thing because you're always going to have things like torn ACLs mm. in any sport. They happen in, in all kinds of yeah, sports. Yeah, I saw people saying, oh, people didn't tear their ACLs this much when I was a kid watching the sport. But people didn't diagnose them as well. I mean, we like the fact that they were able in the Texans facility to diagnose a torn ACL shows you how advanced the equipment has become. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's one of those things, that, again, it's just this perception that American football was somehow better when people were mangling their bodies or yes. like when a guy would get up with a torn ACL and, and try and play, and play on. on. Like yeah. that, that wasn't better for anyone. Well, um, if you actually think about the Deshaun Watson injury, I mean, he took a bad blow to the knee on one of his touchdown throws against the Seahawks. Hmm. And it's hard not to think that that might have been the start. Like I'm, I'm absolutely not a medical expert, but uh, you do, do not let me operate on your knee, whatever <laughs> happens. No matter how drunk I am, do not let me operate on your knee. But I would say that, I mean, we do still have players who, because of situations, be, obviously the Texans are three and four, they still had a shot in that division because uh, they had a plus 27 points differential. They lived with the Patriots in that game, even though they ultimately lost. They lived with the Seahawks. They, they could play with the big boys of American football. Um, he was willing to push himself that little bit that maybe some other players wouldn't and I'm just thinking of, uh, as well about star players like I mean we've completely forgotten Julian Edelman yeah, Julian. who didn't even start the season David Johnson who, who barely got to play um, it, it, it just it, I think it is because of the, the high profile nature of it all yeah it's um, it, it, it is a good season for kind of I suppose well the, the younger guys Bart, like obviously Barrett Deshaun Watson um, likes of Corey Coleman those guys who are on injured reserve uh, early on in their career but Kind of, there's space there for a few younger guys to step up and, like maybe, I I know obviously David Johnson and Julian Edelman will definitely get their places back and stuff next year. But kind of throw themselves out there and get make a name for themselves now that the I suppose the big boys of the league are taking a bit of a they'll have to take a break away from it now. So, um, like there are two ways of looking at it really. There are very high profile guys gone out, but I suppose it just kind of opens it up for a few of the younger guys as well. Oh, yeah. Luke is very much of the next man up. <laughs> yeah, Bill Belichick over there. Um, so, we have to mention the elephant in the room as well, that now Deshaun Watson has, has torn his ACL. I can't think of a quarterback in free agency that would be more suited to the Houston Texans' style of play, or at least the style of play that they have been using under with Deshaun Watson as quarterback as opposed to Sam Savage. Than Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he was the obvious choice as the backup in Houston to uh, to begin the season or the starter. You know, mm. if you wanted to give Deshaun Watson a year behind a good starter, we have. Uh, I think it's Bleacher Report today have a, a headline. We've reached the NFL has reached a point of no return. If Kaepernick doesn't get this job, or at least get an interview for this job, well then he is being blackballed. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, like like we've seen it mentioned a couple of times. Uh, we've seen it mentioned with the Browns, and we've seen it mentioned with even the Titans backup spot when Matt Castle was forced into action earlier this year. That the perception that he he isn't being blackballed, or that there isn't some kind of collusion there, and I know he's taken the, that kind of, that case. The perception that it's not there is being eroded by weeks and weeks of terrible quarterback play, injuries to to starting quarterbacks, and him just being left completely out in the cold. And the thing is, look, the I'm almost I'm almost bored of the the, the topic because 
it's like banging your head against the wall. Anyone who doesn't see that this is a concerted effort by a group of billionaires to keep one person out of the league it is absolutely deluded. Yeah. It's not about systems. It's not about quarterback play. It's not about media circus. Because what we're always told in the NFL, particularly when the NFL is when NFL teams are willing to hire a guy like Greg Hardy, is that this is a win at all costs league. So if it's a win at all costs league, you're not going to tell me that an NFL team isn't going to look at Colin Kaepernick and say, "Look, the the talent is there. The media circus yeah. is outweighed by and, the talent." And let's remember that. You know, within minutes of the Deshaun Watson news, the Texans signed Matt McGlyne. Take a minute to remember what Matt McGlyne was last seen doing. Benched for Connor Cook for a playoff game against the Texans because he wasn't good enough to beat out a rookie who ended up having one of the worst playoff games you'll ever see. I, I honestly think if Matt McGlyne was sitting in this room right now, I wouldn't be able to pick Matt McGlyne out. Between the, between the three of us and Matt McGloin, I would get confused about who's Matt McGloin. Well, well, that is how inconsequential Matt McGloin has yeah. been in his and NFL career. Absolutely not suited to running the Houston Texans offense. Yeah. No, and the thing is, like, like we said, look, Watson made some unbelievable throws. Yeah, he, he could throw the ball deep, threw the ball deep far more than anyone thought that he would coming out of Clemson. Um, has that tendency to get get spooked by the, by the collapsing of the pocket because he didn't play with a very good O-line in, in Clemson, but was able to make things happen. Uh, made an unbelievable throw on Sunday after the, the pocket broke down and made an absolutely brilliant adjustment to, to complete a touchdown throw. I can't remember if it was Hopkins who caught it. But you need, like, if you're looking at that system and if you're saying, look, this is a win-at-all-costs league, if you're Bob McNair and if you weren't a massive racist D-bag, you would look at Colin Kaepernick and say, that's perfect. Uh, look, there'd be a media circus for two or three days, but this is win-at-all-costs. Win at the cost of a small media circus. You tell and me surely that at this stage, the media circus is positive because, well, maybe I'm reading the wrong Twitter accounts, maybe I'm reading the wrong NFL writers, but everyone I'm reading is saying they want Kaepernick in the league. It's the guys, you know, doing um, reports for Fox News and, you know, non-football correspondents are the ones who are saying this is a bad idea, it's not Kaepernick, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But you have to, like, it, it just boggles the, the circus thing because that's the only thing that's left now. Yeah. It, it can't be a football thing because Matt McGloin is on an NFL team. It can't be a, a football thing because Tom Savage is going to start. Brock Osweiler is starting again this yeah. weekend. Brock Osweiler wasn't good enough for the Browns, the worst team that football has ever seen. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So it can't be that. But look at the... Look at the careers of Terrell Owens. Look at the career of Chad Johnson. Well, it, Chad Johnson, I mean... No, but these guys brought circuses with them. They and did. they brought a lot of but, media I mean, attention when, with when them. When Chad Johnson crossed, you know, when he, when he headbutted his wife, I mean, that was it. He was done. And rightly so. Absolutely. No, but yeah. the point I'm making is the, is the earlier. The, okay, look the, at Odell Beckham. The nonsense stuff. Look at Odell yeah, Beckham. Yeah. You're telling me that Odell Beckham doesn't carry a media circus with him. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. And, and how do you justify it? Yeah, it's because he's good enough to play. Exactly, and you're going, yeah. to, you're going to tell me that anyone in Houston is going, look, there'll be a media circus here, but we, we be, we're better off bringing in Matt McGloin. Yeah. Absolute bullshit. No. To be honest, I think, um, I think at this stage, Colin Kaepernick, he has, I, I don't know if, he, if you'd even call it a cult following, but whatever team ends up signing uh, Kaepernick, they're going to, basically anybody that doesn't have direct reason to hate that team will gain a lot of respect for that. A, a, a lot of the people on this on the the right side of the take an E protest, they're gonna gain a lot of respect for whatever team does sign them. And like that can only be a good thing. They'll be they'll be earning fans 
just from signing the best. Yeah, it's still like one of the best selling jerseys in the NFL is a Colin Kaepernick San Francisco jersey. And like if he signed, like if, if, to, to, to emphasize your point, I mean, I'm an Oakland Raiders fan. If he signed with the Denver Broncos, I'd, I'd hate him because he's playing for the Denver Broncos, but that's the nature of fandom. Yeah. But I'd be delighted that a team had actually the balls to sign him because he's more than good enough considering the absolute shit show of quarterback play we've seen this year yeah. to be starting in the NFL. Look, we could talk about we, we could talk definitely talk about Kaepernick all day. We could talk about injuries all day. Kaepernick special for Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely, Kaepernick special. Um but let's move on to obviously the last week has seen a lot of trades in the NFL, some really, really surprising ones. And Houston was involved in one of them, uh, and I know offensive line play is in no way sexy, but the Seattle Seahawks have had the worst left tackle in football for the last two seasons. I mean, you could literally put a sweeping brush there and it would do a better job than what they've had um, since the start of 2016. Dwayne Brown held out from the Houston Texans this summer. He wanted a payday. He didn't get it, but he got a trade to Seattle. And I think if he does the job this year, he's very likely to get a, an exceptionally large payday at the end of the season. Yeah, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of offensive linemen who were looking at the market last year. Now the the market last year for offensive linemen absolutely exploded. Um, Guys who were average to good were getting huge deals. And there's a few guys around the league. I remember at the time, uh, during free agency and during re-signing, somebody tweeted at Taylor Lewan, and he said, look, I hope you're watching the market and Taylor Lewan. I think, I re- if I remember correctly, he replied with just the, the kind of shifty eyes emoji, <laughs> indicating that, look, he knows his value. Um, and Dwayne... Is, Re- is that what that emoji is called? I, I, I think it's just eyes, is it? Is, is what it's called. But I think I think Dwayne Brown is a guy who knew his value and definitely knew his value in trying to keep a guy like Tom Savage upright and the fact that the Texans went more or less all in on a rookie quarterback in Deshaun Watson said to him, look, I'm valuable here. And, you know, you, you hear from career guidance people all the time, if you know your value, go get paid what you're worth. And Dwayne Brown is definitely worth what he thought he was worth because he more or less was the Texans' old line last year. And now you have him in a situation where the Seahawks, like you said, have terrible online play. Reese Hambu, by the way, is the, the left tackle because George Fant went down in, in preseason, but George Fant wasn't exactly brilliant to begin with. But, but at the, So you come into this situation now and the, the Seahawks are top of their division mm. and have a Super Bowl window open to them. Whatever you think about their quality... The, the NFC is without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the, the Falcons seem to have quietly imploded. I mean, the, the next best team to them, the Vikings. I, I like. I put the Eagles up there, obviously, with the best mm. best record. But what I would say is that you're dealing with a team with a second year quarterback. And I know Seattle have proven that you can still win Super Bowls with young quarterbacks. But I think Seattle. They, like it did not look like 2017 was shaping up to be a year that would would see them, mm. you know, be realistic Super Bowl contenders. But the way that, the way the season has gone has absolutely just fallen into their laps, barring that injury to Russell Wilson that we're all expecting to happen because their offensive line play is so bad. This is something that 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 kind of has shored up and reduced the risk of that happening. A contender in the NFC that kind of made a surprising trade this 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 week were the Carolina Panthers, um, getting rid of Kelvin Benjamin. Um, 
the acting general manager there said that they needed speed on the field um, so that's why ben- Benjamin went Devin Funch is kind of is a very similar big bodied but slower wide receiver so they didn't need two like Benjamin to me is a really really good receiver uh, were you surprised by the trade? Absolutely um, I, I I mean look you kind of you gauge some of these things around about how hotly contested the person is in your in your fantasy draft and the perception of him and the perception of Calvin Benjamin is still that he is the number one receiver um, I was surprised that the Bills were so aggressive um, given that they're the Bills but if you look at their situation you know they were before last night's game they were, they were one game out from the you know but one he, game out with a game in hand over over the Patriots they've gone and they've lost that game now they're a game back they'll probably get beaten by the Patriots because that's what happens in the AFC East but I was surprised that they were that aggressive, but they've picked up a very, very good receiver. Well, be- before the Oakland Raiders game, they'd only completed 34 passes to wide receiver uh, this season, which was the lowest in the league, basically. Excuse me, a significant margin. You have um, Deontay Thompson, Brandon Tate, Andre Holmes, a former Raider who ended up costing you know the Raiders the game uh, last weekend. You can't exist as an NFL team without an at least one option uh, in the receiving core. So I can I can slightly understand. I can't. What I can't understand is, you know, nine you know nine times out of ten, I'll take Sammy Watkins over Kelvin Benjamin if I'm if I'm drafting as a yeah. GM. So why get rid of one and taking the other? That's the strange thing about it for me. I am. I suppose the. I suppose it probably comes down to you know personnel decisions. You know he. You know general manager. The the people in Buffalo are probably very familiar with the different personalities and what what you're getting out of each of them at training. So it could come down to something as simple as that. What this trade is weird to me is, it. I've always maintained that NFL teams way overvalue draft picks. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Because. Buffalo gives up a third and a third and a seventh for this for Calvin Benjamin. Now the third is probably going to be off the top of my head, you're probably talking the eighty sixth, eighty eighty fifth to eighty sixth pick. Um and a seven pick you might as well be seven tossing round pick, a coin yeah. because yeah. those guys and it's not even you better odds tossing a coin than you do with a seven room pick. Absolutely. So let's say you, you let's cut the seventh loose. Let's just say that that's 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 bonus material. If the draft was tomorrow and Calvin Benjamin was in the draft tomorrow, and you know what you know about him now, you've had a couple of years to scout him, he's only 26, but you've seen him play, mm. and you've seen him play at an NFL level, would you take him before or after 85? Yeah, You're, you're going to take him 60 picks before 85, mm. because That's he's it. a number one receiver. Yeah. If he was in next year's draft, knowing what you know now, yeah. you take him. 100%. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. is, is, a, is, the, is the other major trade of Monday gone to the San Francisco 49ers for a pick that's probably going to be 32 between 33 and 35 uh, depending on how the season shakes out do you draft him with 8 games on his con- or 7 games on his contract for a pick that high you probably don't yeah well, I would say that we saw more out of Jimmy Garoppolo in the six quarters of real football he's played than we've seen out, out of any of the college prospects coming out this year. And I think that's probably where San Francisco were thinking. And I know, Luke, I want to talk to you about this because they're going to be in your division. And if they do get Jimmy G signed to a long-term contract, the Cardinals are going to have to be facing him year in, year out. Um, 
we surprised the Patriots let him go given that you know Tom Brady is 40 will be 41 next season yeah um, like Brady's not going to be there for too much longer and I'm just wondering kind of what they have coming coming up to conveyor bed like where, where what are they going to replace Tom Brady with now because I, I kind of always like to look at Jimmy Garoppolo he's a he's a decent quarterback but like yeah they're doing are, are they just are they just going to go for the draft next year and try to get as good as they can like is that the plan or what? yeah I would think that the, the 49ers plan is that right now we have our quarterback we can get a really high draft pick and trade for a team that needs to get a quarterback what the Patriots plan with with the draft is I don't know I think everyone expected them to use that second round pick this year before the trade deadline to get a defensive lineman and, and they didn't do that so it's really interesting to see how that ends up but we and ding 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 they're mentioning the Super Bowl again we, we were watching Jimmy Garoppolo on the sidelines at the Super Bowl and we both remarked just how quickly he throws the ball he throws mm. the ball harder than than most NFL quarterbacks I've seen so and and that really suits the Patriots game but it also really suits a Kyle Shanahan offense and I think that that that's going to work out really really well look the other big one before we move on um, it's a it's a shortened uh, podcast today for our, our comeback but uh, we you know we can't risk the uh, reoccurrence of the injury but the other the other big one is JHI um Britain's JHI as as <laughs> they like as like yeah as he's officially called moving from the Miami Dolphins where he was said to have been a bad influence in the locker room to the Super Bowl contending we have to admit mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia Eagles he's obviously going to do a lot better behind that Eagles O-line than he did in Miami yeah like it's it's a it's good move for him really because the the Dolphins really are they're, they're not going anywhere fast but the, the the Philadelphia Eagles have been impressive this year and I suppose it's kind of it's a it, it, it's a good move for him if he wants to get some silverware under his belt to bring it back home to Britain yeah look shout out to Adam Gase as well who punished the player by sending him to a Super Bowl contender well done you <laughs> that's a great way to discipline your players when you've got Jay Cutler in your squad yeah absolutely it's, it's a weird one um, Adam Gase's whole tenure in Miami hasn't got off to the best start and it seemed on Monday like they were going to blow things up it looked like Jarvis Landry was going to go to New York um, Odell was very adamant that it was happening it, it didn't pan out in the end uh, talk that Ndamukong Sue was going to be cut at the end of the year I, I mean I'm not sure why you don't just you don't just shop Ndamukong Sue now because there's going to be like I mean the Patriots would have given you a third or a fourth for him uh, because he's still Ndamukong Sue Um but the Ajayi one, it's it's just a bizarre kind of way, a, a bizarre turn of events, because like you said, you're sending a player who a good player on a bad team to be a good player on a Super Bowl contending team. We talked about, you know, I mentioned the Super Bowl window for the for the Seahawks. That that window for the the Eagles, that seven and one, Carson Wentz playing really really well. Now they've got a real threat out of the backfield, like that that window just opened much wider if they're going to win one they're probably not going to have a better chance than this year yeah the only thing I would say is that we've yet to see the Eagles really tested since they lost Jason Peters they're all pro left tackle uh, Carson Wentz is a very very different player um, under pressure than he is when he has time in the pocket so I think Ajayi as much as anything else has been brought in to kind of relieve the amount of times he has to throw in a game I think that that will be really, really important. Of course, we'll just mention the last trade. We won't talk about it because we've we've talked about the AFC say way too much as we always tend to do. Thanks to Paul, uh, is obviously that the Buffalo Bills 
um, and the Jacksonville Jaguars came to an agreement from Marcel Darius just to add to that Jacksonville defensive line, which was already probably the best in the league. Lads, moving on, uh, we're going to wrap up by, I suppose, talking about our A, biggest surprise of the season so far, and, and B, where we think halfway through things stand. I, I'd like you to make your Super Bowl pick. So we did this a quarter of the way through. Um, we'll, we'll hit it up on Twitter link at Safety Dance Pod with what those picks were and compare it to these um, just because I didn't bother going back and listening. So I think might as well be honest with the listeners. Well, I, I know that I had, I had the Pats and, and the Falcons. I, I, I like the Chiefs and Seahawks. So I, it's I only thought, it would, Luke a, for, I thought uh, it would be a replay. Um, but right now I'm, I'm going to stick in the AFC. I think the Pats have improved. Uh, that defence is still not great, but Tom Brady's playing the, probably the best football that he's ever played through eight games. Absolutely phenomenal for a man of his age. But, you know, at a certain point, you just stop being surprised by the level that, that he achieves. Um, and you can't look past the Eagles. I know they're, they're you know, they've lost Chase Pierce, but they're 7-1, uh, you know, and they're 7-1 and one where they've essentially wrapped up their, their division. They're three games ahead of them. 7-1 and, and get to play the free-falling Broncos this week, yeah. so soon to be 8-1. and one. Oh, Luke, what about you? Can you remember what you picked quarter way through? I can't. I, I think I picked the Patriots, but I can't remember what I picked from the NFC. I probably picked the Cardinals, like, in all fairness. <laughs> <laughs> but in hindsight, that probably wasn't uh, the most inspired decision. Uh, at the moment, I'm probably going to agree with Paul. Like, it's going to... I'll go Patriots again from the AFC, and it's hard to look past the Eagles, really. They've just... They've been in flying form, really. Uh, no pun intended. But, um, yeah. Either, either them or the Seahawks, really. Uh Eagles or the Seahawks? Yeah, I, I have no reason to change my, my Chiefs and Seahawks. Uh, I know the, the Chiefs had a bit of a skid there, but they, they always lose against the Steelers. They absolutely need to avoid the Steelers in the postseason. I think that's that's crucial to them winning the AFC. Um, I, I think personally, like I, the, I agree that the Chiefs do look really good. They'd be probably be my second in the AFC, but I think the Patriots are just so clinical once they get to the playoffs. I think... like. Yeah, I think this uh, this year more than anything, home field advantage is going to be mm-hmm. so crucial in the in the AFC and in the NFC. Like I said earlier on, I, I think it's just absolutely the window for Seattle has just opened mm-hmm. wide. If if Seattle have to go to Philadelphia or vice versa in the NFC title game, I think Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, and, and the Legion of Boom will be just rubbing their hands at the thoughts of that because yeah. if any defense is going to cause problems to Carson Wentz in terms of safety blitzes and, and corner blitzes, it, it's going to it's going to be Seattle. Um, that's it, I think. Um, we'll be back next week with a, a full show. Uh, we'll have our guests on picking the games against us. And we'll have a guest from, from one of the NFL teams, a uh, reporter, kind of filling us in on, on the details. Uh, a bit closer to the date, we'll decide that. So listen, thanks again for joining us. And sorry for the break again. We'll be back, uh, like I said, next week. And uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, on all your favourite podcast providers and you can find us on Twitter at Safety Dance Pod um, thanks for as always to Omni Kukalik oh, you're welcome and um, Paul Hosford Dublin Rhinos 2017 special teams MVP Paul Hosford <laughs> oh sorry I forgot to address him by his proper title I've been Steve O'Rourke as I have been since 1982 thanks as always for joining us goodbye pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler little flip to Fitzgerald he scores we ain't got to do nothing special now. We just got to do our job. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine.